just a heads up in case you're listening to this with your family or friends who are sensitive to curse words, this episode does contain some explicit language. So, let's get to the show. If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Robert Downey Sr. in conversation with Paul Thomas Anderson. And this is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host, Trey Epps, and today we are talking about Putney Swope with a very special guest. Um, Danny Tavener has been on the show at least once before, and we chop it up about what Putney Swope means to comedy, to us as filmmakers, and to the rest of the world. Uh, with that, I'll let you listen. So explain a prince. Explain how that happened. I've said this before. I've I said, know you got to uh, say it again. Though, that I was <laughs> too young to be a king and too committed to be a queen. Okay, let's make sure this is working properly. There we go. Cool. All right, so today we have a wonderful guest, uh, UCB alum. Wait, did you ever graduate UCB? <laughs> I guess. Won't ever graduate. <laughs> yeah, but now defunct, uh, UCB alum, Danny Tevener. What's going on, man? How's it going? Uh, it's, it's, it's going. It's, it's, go, it's going pretty well. I mean, listen, we're talking about an old one today. Uh, Putney Swope. Putney Swope. How, how, now, this is 1967 Putney Swope, directed and written by Robert Downey Sr., right? Yeah. And you want, like, you suggested this film. Why? Um, I had heard a lot of, like, comedy people reference this film as, like, being a great satire comedy. I kind of get okay. it. I, is <laughs> is one of those people Louis C.K. because there's not much in in like if you Google this film and try to find out more information about it, one of the things that you'll learn is that Louis C. It's it's one of Louis C.K.'s favorite films. All right, I now don't I know. For recommending it, <laughs> I did drink off a lot while I watched it, so maybe that's <laughs> something. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Uh, um. Yeah, like again, I just I tried to do some research about this film, and I could not find a lot at all. Um, but I I heard of the film from Robert Downey Jr. when he was doing a podcast. Um, uh, I forget the name, but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. But he was doing a podcast talking about his life and talking about how he really looked up to his dad and mentioned this film. And I got to be honest, it, 
I think after watching it, I was like, okay, like I, I guess I, I see the appeal of it. Um, and not to jump too far ahead on what my thoughts are, but but I'm not I'm not sure if you know this. It's like it's in the AFI, it's on an AFI list for one of the funniest films. It's in the yeah, National like Film Registry. Robert Downey Sr. Is it? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was like his first big film. Because I, I, I've always looked at Robert Downey Sr. as a director who, or, see, I'm not even sure if I looked at him as a director. I knew he was an actor, right? But I, I looked at him as a filmmaker who was so low-key or unrecognized that if you would have told me what, if you would have asked me what he would have directed, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Yeah, honestly, I I know he is his own person, but I only know him because of his son. <laughs> I feel like oh, one hundred, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, so just a bit of a history of Robert Downey Senior is that before this, he had directed one, two, three, four, five other um, other films. Uh, I mean, listen, I I feel crazy even naming them because I feel like no one's going to know it, but it's. <laughs> It's like no, Babo seventy three, Babo seventy three, chafed elbows, uh, <laughs> no more excuses, uh, sweet smell of sex, classic. It is a classic of our time, and I think I think for a long time he acted in a lot of the things that he was in. Oh, sorry, he acted a lot in a lot of things that he directed. Mm. Um, no, that's not even true. Like one, two. Yeah, yeah, like all the things he directed, actually. Uh, sorry, all the things that he acted in after this is, yeah, I don't even think he was involved as a filmmaker otherwise. Yeah, you're forgetting um, his great role in Tower Heist. Uh, okay, if you, if you say so. Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> if you say so. All right, so Putney's Uh Jeez Louise! Listen, I, the only the only way I know how to describe what happens in this film, like boilerplate synopsis, is what everyone at an ad agency unanimously votes for Putney Swope, the only black guy in the ad agency to become is it the like the chairman or something like yeah, this, like, like the, the, head the, of the company. It's it's a pretty like the head of the company. They all <laughs> it's. It all happens in five minutes. Like that's kind of yeah, that happens before the movie starts, and that's kind of the only real like concrete. This is what happened in the movie. Uh, honestly, everyone, everyone, all the white people, all the white people in the boardroom are like, you know what? We don't want our rivals, the other white people in the boardroom, to get this position. So we're all going to vote for Putney Swope. Because we don't think he like we we don't think anyone else is going to vote for him, and then yeah. everyone else ends up voting for him, and so now he's the head of the company it's and like fires never everyone. Seen a reality show with voting involved, right? Exactly. <laughs> doesn't work in Big Brother. It doesn't work in Survivor. Uh, and it did not work here. Uh, <laughs> or I mean, maybe it did. I think he he definitely was the best of the board members. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. The the few scenes that we got with the other board members, they all <laughs> seemed absolutely awful. Um, and yeah, so Putney Swope is the head of this company, fires everyone, and it becomes it turns from an incredibly white boardroom to 
an all black boardroom. <laughs> I like the um, uh, during this whole takeover and the the switch, which is pretty quick. It's honestly like one cut, which I liked. It, yeah, if if that, as in like. I think they even tried to make it like this one shot where they hid behind Putney Swope's jacket and then like yeah, they pan then, back up and his <laughs> everyone's different. Forward. But I like right, right at that exact scene, he's like, I'm not going to rock the boat. Rocking the boat's a drag. <laughs> what you got to do is sink the boat. I'm like, hell yeah. Bring it down. <laughs> um, so uh, who stars in this film? Let's see. It is, I forget the guy's name, is... I actually don't know his name. Is it? Oh, it's Arnold. Arnold of course, it's Arnold Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we all should should note right off the bat that Arnold Johnson's voice is not in this. It's overdubbed by Robert Downey Sr. Um, do you know why, Dan? I'm just finding this out now. <laughs> I was wondering why his voice was so deep. <laughs> Jesus Christ, his voice was like... When, it, when the movie started, I was just like, oh, this is a... Old movie, maybe they didn't get good audio and they just had to dub it over. I mean, I thought that too. Tony Senior. I thought this too, and I was like, wait, I gotta look this up because this is not matching the 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 image that I'm seeing. Um so Arnold Johnson, who is an actor, as in like this isn't his one and only role. He has acted in a lot. Uh the reason that (laughs) the reason that Robert Downey Sr. voice like overdubbed his lines is because he had trouble remembering the lines, <laughs> which is incredible. He had so much trouble remembering the lines that Robert Downey Sr. was like, you know what? You fucking go for it. I'm going to, don't worry about it. I'm just going to overdub everything else. In his um, defense, <laughs> it kind of is go on. Putney Swope the entire movie. Like, I'm, he's I'm, probably in every minute of the movie. Which, I mean, that's fine. People have done this for <laughs> years. Sure, I mean, sure. <laughs> that's a lot to remember. Oh, okay. So Putney Swope was Arnold Johnson's very first movie. Very first movie. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and then later on, like directly after this, he was in Shaft and then switched over to TV. And he was on Sanford and Son. And I mean, I won't go into a lot of what he did after that. But he has... According to IMDb, 46 credits to his name and all came after this film. So needless to say that like he learned how to remember some lines in some way, shape, and form. <laughs> I don't um, know. Maybe Robert Downey Sr. just dubbed every role he had. Honestly, I, I thought that would have been genius. I did look into this and I was like, wait, does he do this for like is this a signature thing of just hiring people? Um and then just like overdubbing their voice? Because there's there's another black guy, I think. There's another black guy who has his voice dubbed. Or at least I think it's dubbed. I'm not sure if it's dubbed. Um, and I go, damn, the black people don't even have their own voices in this film. That's deep. Like I was like, oh, I was like, that's funny, but that's also real deep. Uh, but no, it's just it was just Arnold I Johnson. Mean, I don't think that was his. I mean, that I feel like that'd be a good, especially for a satire movie that at the time is like taking on such a big, uh, like taking on advertising in the sixties. It's like, all right, this is you're, you're, you're punching <laughs> up. It's, it's a good, good satire, but to add a level of that, where like every black character is dubbed over, that'd be a little, a little much. <laughs> but, 
But if that had happened, I think if that were the case, I think it would have brought the level of this genius up so high. Because yeah. I think there's, I think if we're looking at this as a satire, which it is, if we're looking at this as a comedy, which it is, I think this movie is fucking insane. Like it's in, like it's insane. Like what happens in this movie is wild because it has every license to be wild. But so I, I think the, I think the first half of this film when things are just going from zero to sixty because there's just I I don't know how else to describe it. It's zero to sixty. Like you either into this movie or you're not into this movie. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, you know what? If you're gonna be here for eighty six minutes, we're gonna do everything that we can to be out of control. Yeah, I mean, they're, like, running off people from the set. They're like, we own this company now. You're out. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and they're just, like, um, taking all the money in cash and just keeping it in a big bin. That's yeah, cool. in, like, in, like, a parking garage. So they, they get these yeah. clients. It, 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 it's, like, I, honestly, I don't know. And we said this We said this right before we started recording. But the the narrative of this movie is look at this black guy who was accidentally voted to run this company. And then we see what he does with the company. Like there's no, there's no actual, there's no traditional storyline or narrative to this film. It's almost like a, a very long sketch, right? Like things just keep happening as opposed yeah. to Putney folk doing anything. It's like a, what would happen if, and then it just goes off the rails. The president. Exactly. Well. And like, I don't know. It's 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 really it's really wild. I I, mean, I, I don't know. Ads, do, you have, do you have any? I was just gonna say some of the ads that he makes are like pretty great. I would want like if I saw them now on TV, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd, I might buy that product. So the like, film is is nineteen. It was it was made it was made in nineteen sixty nine. But all the we get to see the commercials that are made by Putney Swope and the rest of the company. And those are all in color. Um, yeah. So what we get, like we get a good handful of, of ads that we see throughout the film and they are in fact amazing. Like, they, like they're really the good. Serial one where the voiceover is just announcing all these great things about the cereal, all the, the high nutrients and the good taste <laughs> <laughs> and the guy eating it just goes, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I will try to link oh here we go so they are online so i will i will definitely post some in the show notes they're like they're real proper i think they're proper commercials which i think is really funny um but yeah like the, like for all intents and purposes we learn that the agency is actually doing really well um and just a, getting like handed to what what they advertise do you remember what it was it was like no firearms or no toy guns or alcohol or something like that. Right, right. They, they, as peculiar as they were, they were very, very specific about what they put out, which I think is fine. Like, yeah, which I think I, is, I, I think it's good. Um, and and I do think I, I, I say I say this as if like an all black ad agency is is wild. It's. Obviously, right now it's not in '69. Of course, it's, it'd be the most crazy thing in the world, right? But uh, <clears throat> I, I think I think the cat I think the cast of characters that were surrounding Putney's Hope were, were really interesting. I don't know any of the characters' names. I couldn't really place them. But I love that there's just one guy who's waiting for Putney to screw up, 
<laughs> and meanwhile, uh, he's like fucking up the most. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's so funny. Or just people. He's uh, just like, hey, I need ideas, and everyone's just free to just shout ideas out. But he's like, I like that one. I don't like that one. It's true. Yeah, true. It yeah. And then like all the all the clients are just in line with their bags of money, waiting to just give it away. Just straight cash, million dollars a pop. Um, so uh, looking at an article, listen, Dan, I'm going to ask you, what's how, how did this movie end? Doesn't he like bring us to, bring us to the dramatic the dramatic uh, cycle of this film? Um, so he keeps raking in all this money, putting out this advertising. He gets in trouble with the president. Because I think yep. the president wants him to sell out. I didn't really follow that arc that well. Pretty much at Me the either. end, he is sitting on all this cash. There's murmurs of takeovers and infighting. And then one of his guys, who has been causing problems the entire time, lights all the money on fire. And that's pretty much it. It just kind of ends. It just kind of ends. So I think in an interview... <laughs> Um, in an interview, was it was it with? Hold on, what's this with? Oh, so with uh, Robert Downey Sr. He goes, "Are you okay with with the ending of the film?" And he goes, "Yep." Uh, and so he goes, "You don't mind the ending of the film?" And Robert Downey Sr. goes, "No, there are only three endings: up, down, and it's up to you." So. This one's up to us. Exactly. It's, it's not quite up, it's up, up yeah. Like, sure. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm missing something else. Maybe the, maybe there's some sort of like criterion collection ending to this where you get to pick, uh, you know, <laughs> pick your own ending to put me through. Um, I did learn, however, that this was, it was 250, 250? Yeah, $250,000 for this film, and everyone was not union. Damn. Isn't that like? Isn't that is? I I find that interesting. I mean, there's no like name character, like name actors or anything like that. But I think it's interesting that it was all non-union. Yeah, that kind of makes sense though. <laughs> Just based on the <laughs> amount, based on the fact that it's his first movie, the amount of actual speaking roles there are, rather than just people being there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they just had a lot I mean, of bodies to make it look like an office. No, that, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and it kind it kind of just ends like we already said. Listen, Dan, I I, I don't know. Actually, what, what was your impression of the film after everything was said and done? I liked the overarching satire of it, like the for the time and the the content. I thought it was a, a a good. I don't want to say good. It was a statement. <laughs> <laughs> it was a film, is what you're saying. It was a film. It was a film. Uh, I I ended the film. Uh, I ended. I ended. Putney Swope ended, and I thought, "What did I watch?" And I'm still like, even right now. I'm still not sure if I thought it was good or bad. As much as I'm like. I feel like this. I feel like some of it went over my head. I, I thought the first half of it, 
like the beginning of this was like, this is really funny. Like this, I understand the satire of it all. I understand the comedy of it all. And as it went on without any narrative arcs, no ups and downs, I was like, oh, this feels like one note. And it feels like an hour and a half of one thing just happening and not, and nothing was dri- nothing was really driving it. I think yeah. the characters were interesting. I think yeah, I think the people surrounding uh, Putney, like Putney, was interesting. I think I think having Robert Downey's voice uh, overdubbed made it more interesting. Like I, I just kind of wanted to stick around. Yeah, and definitely. See what every time Robert Downey Put- every time Putney spoke, you were like, "Oh, this man yeah, is right. rock. Okay. Um, but yeah, like we're talking. I think he said it. I think you said it best with um, it felt like a comedy sketch. It did. Like it, felt it just felt like, a like really something long. that could have been just five, six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it probably should be cut just just to that. Uh, yeah, like, this I mean, would have been a great, a great Chappelle show sketch. You know, uh, honestly, yes. Yes. It, 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 I think that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I think of. Like when I think of like Key and Peele, like when I think of Key and Peele or Chappelle or something like that, I'm like this. This is exactly what they would have done. Yeah. Which which oh, speaks sure. to what I think is exactly only. Well, well, that's why I think the 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 like subtext of the film is strong. It's just all. It's just so long. <laughs> for for like, just like. Do, is so. That's like that's your. Is that why you think the legacy of this film has held on so like so long? Yeah, because I think like the 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 deep seated, the the core of the movie, is I mean, is kind of still relevant today. Like I, if I saw a Chappelle show sketch now, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is still like a commentary on society. Right, and I think I think that's why. I mean, uh, yeah. At this point, the bamboozle episode would be what it would have come out would have come out, and that itself is a satire about uh, black people in America, black people in media. But I, I think that's why satires are a, a good satire. A good satire will really stick with you, and I think that's why. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think about other satires that I'm like, oh man, like that's just really good. And I don't know if I have any. Like, um, remember that one with Seth Rogen and James Franco where the, the dictator, is it called the dictator? The interview? The interview, not the dictator. Yeah. Uh, the interview. Like that's, that's meant to be a satire and I can't, I, I have seen it and I can't tell you if it was any good or not, but that's not sticking with anybody. Um, but I think you're right. I think when you're speaking about something that is still going on, and this issue will kind of always live on. I hope not, yeah. but it kind of will. Um, I think, yeah, I think that is what sticks with people, and that's why this legacy has has kind of gone on. Yeah, and it's um, it's like simultaneously a satire about like race in our country, but also advertising, which for the '60s and '70s, that's like they were like gods. <laughs> According to Mad Men. <laughs> According to Mad Men. I mean, listen, that's true. I, I, I watch Mad Men and I watch... Um, uh, sorry, I watch Mad Men, but if I watch anything where they have like an ad agency in it, I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, I, I'm just yeah, fascinated like, oh, by the were, idea of it. They had the, the pulse, the, the finger on the pulse. They were telling people what to buy, what to wear. 
who to be. We're so susceptible to to ads <laughs> in general, which I think is really funny. Um, listen, with that, the big question, is this required watching? Dan, let me just remind you that we're talking about, like, no matter what you are, whether whether you're just a, a film enthusiast, whether you're a writer, actor, or what have you, do you think this is required watching? I don't know if this is, like, blasphemy. I say watch the first 15 minutes. <laughs> a compilation of the commercials that Putney makes, and then, like, the last 10, honestly. <laughs> Well, so you're you're calling for a mass edit on? I'm going to say a mass record. edit. Otherwise, not required. I think there are, there are better. Honestly, with the same effect, you could watch a handful of Chappelle show sketches and get the same the same critical lens. <laughs> you know, I I'm, I'll, I'll stop you and say that I completely agree. I felt fairly disappointed that this is a film that is recommended by a lot of people. Like, uh, I, yeah, I, listen, I, I, I absolutely respect, I, I respect that people like this movie or like any movie. I'm not here to bash any, any movie at all. Um, I am. I'm here to bash. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely not here to bash. I respect, I respect people who make these films, but I don't know if I think that as a student of film and wanting to be a filmmaker or am, like, am a filmmaker, I'm going to look back at this film and say that I've learned anything specifically from this film. Because there are tons of other satires out there that I can tell you that I pull, I pull from all the time. Um, yeah, and, and are just stronger movies just as a whole. Yeah, I mean, listen, just to make the quick connection of, like, Tropic Thunder, which I feel like Robert Downey Jr.'s character is uh, Putney Strope, right? Like, yeah, in, in a, absolutely. In, in some ways. Um, I look at that, and I'm like, that's so funny. That's, like, like if, if, Robert, if Robert Downey Sr. could have put himself in blackface to be Putney Strope <laughs> to make a comment. what he was... <laughs> What he was gunning for, which the fact that he didn't in 1969, <laughs> good for him. Props, props to him for that. Probably a good call. Uh, <laughs> but I think, but I think, I think that leads, and I'm, I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. has talked about this. But, I'm sh- I, but I, f- I feel like when I look at that film and what Robert Downey Jr. is doing in that film, let alone what the entire film is doing as a satire in general. Uh, yeah. And what it speaks to, I'm like, I, I I can pick at Tropic Thunder and pull away so many good nuggets of filmmaking um, that I just can't do with Putney Swope. We should which really do wild. Tropic Thunder, it's which is wild cool. because that would not like what year was Tropic Thunder? That would not play today 2008. At all. And but I've watched it recently, and it's still pretty funny. <laughs> I wa- I watched it a couple years back, and I was like, you know what? fucking still holds up <laughs> it still holds up it's like so surprisingly it's one of those movies you, <laughs> you think oh if i revisit this it's gonna be like cringy no it's nope it's nope <laughs> you can look past it pretty quickly um i you can look past it really quickly which is super unfortunately sad, but... <laughs> i hate to admit it um i 
I this is not a podcast about Tropic Thunder, but I I do think I don't know. I think there's something to say about again what Tropic Thunder was saying about Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Blackface is in and of itself a comment on on Putney Swope. So the the influences that Putney Swope has uh, on people is is interesting to me, but I don't think it makes it or a film required to watch. Yeah, I'm sure this. It birthed a lot of great comedy and like hard hitting satire, but itself, it's just short of required. It, it, I, w- I wouldn't even say it's just short, but it, it, there's something to be. I, listen, I, I, it's a flat out no for me, but there's something. <laughs> There's something to be there's something to be said about a film that is in the film registry, a film that's on an AFI list that that it speaks to someone other than me. Like like no one's going back to AFI and you're going, you know what? Like this has aged out. Let's take this out yeah. and put something else back in. Um, but you know, again, we weren't alive. <laughs> at least I don't know about you. I wasn't alive in 1969, so I don't know the state hey, of cinema know. and what. We- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know the state of cinema back in uh, 1969, in order I mean, to be like this. Groundbreaking. Pretty great movies. It did. It, 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 so it I think that it makes this one fall even shorter. The fact that it came out in 1969, when there were like hard hitting <laughs> movies left and right. I mean, just looking at. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you type into Google 1969 satire films, Putney's Pope comes up, and then nothing else completely recognizable. Uh, but, but but we're coming we're coming up on the age of like black exploitation and everything else. Where I'm like, I'm not sure if yeah, I'm I'm just unsure. Um, but listen, Dan, we've been talking for quite a bit. We've given our rating, so let's just end it right here. The great debate of Putney's Hope lives on. Over. Finally um, solved. <laughs> uh, listen, tell everyone where they can interact with you online. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Daniel Taverner. Give Dan a job, guys. <laughs> give me a job. I'll, I'll do pretty much anything. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping at this point I have some I have some things I can share. Hopefully, this whole filming thing has has let loose, and yeah, you, you can be seen on screen and behind on the uh, writing front. And we have some stuff to share with some people. I'm just gonna have to start doing my own. Just a one man show. Just a one man show. Uh, I have a great sketch concept that you can act out. It's a white guy in blackface. Uh, I think he's, you know, maybe, maybe we can say he's the head of an ad agency. Could I just dub your voice over? Yeah, even better. <laughs> <laughs> even better. Um, all right, listen, that's our show. Hell yeah. So that's our episode. I'm your host, Trey Epps. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Did I get it right or was I completely off base? Leave a message and we'll play it during our our next episode and discuss. Required Watching is a movie club, so as much as I'd love to hear my own voice, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. See you there.
Hey, just really quickly, every two weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming service Movie. These are great platforms to watch some of the films that we'll be talking about during the show. So all you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it. <laughs>